0: I appreciate that, and uh, appreciate the young ladies playing the the ukuleles there. Of course, yesterday uh, we had our ladies luncheon here. I feel like I'm going to get trampled right now. Like, um, that's great though. I love to see young people singing. Amen. And last week or yesterday, we had our ladies luncheon, and they had it all decorated as a Hawaiian theme. And I think there was about seven or eight young ladies that were playing the ukulele like they did just now, and so I appreciate all the hard work that went into that uh, yesterday for our ladies' luncheon, um, and that was great. Um, let me just give you a little bit of an update here as far as our missions giving is concerned. Um, I always want to keep us aware of where we're at in our missions. Of course, for the month of April, our goal was uh, five or excuse me, eight thousand. Uh, three hundred and sixty four that 's what our goal was for the month of April again, over the year, we break up the whole yearly goal and we break it into monthly uh, sections and that 's what we needed for April uh, in the month of April we what came in was seven thousand nine hundred and forty three dollars so we were just a little bit under that and again i don 't ever want to say it was only seven thousand nine hundred and forty three dollars because seven thousand nine hundred and forty three dollars is still a great number, and uh, that 's a great uh, thing as we 're giving uh, for our missions. Uh, And so our goal for where we needed to be at at the end of April was thirty five thousand five hundred and forty seven dollars. That's where we needed to be at the end of the month of April. And uh, at the end of April, we were at thirty five thousand two hundred ninety one dollars and forty six cents. So, again, just a little bit under there for our year to date, but uh, still looking that's looking great. Uh, And if you were here, probably I'm trying to remember if it was eight years ago, uh, eight or nine years ago when we had our first uh, year of giving to Faith Promise, our first year, and this is what, we, this is what our goal was for the entire year, was $30,000. That was the entire year. And so in four months... This year, we've given more than we did the entire first year that we started this, and uh, so that's a wonderful thing. It's great to see how our faith promise has grown, and so uh, this year, our giving is, uh, our goal is over $100,000. Again, last year, we gave over $100,000, and so uh, that is great to see, and then also, just a little bit of an update on our Nehemiah project. We are now at uh, $11,253 with our Nehemiah project, and of course, all of that goes for our building fund. And uh, really be praying uh, for that and that God would just continue to bless. We're really praying that this year uh, that God would really give us direction as far as uh, where we're going to be because uh, again we, we're just we're out of space and that's a good problem to have uh, and I appreciate those who were here in the nine o'clock service uh, we had a good crowd in the nine o'clock service as well and then those uh, in the 10 30 service and so appreciate your willingness to help with that but really pray we're, we're looking at a couple different options and so really be praying that God would give us direction uh, this year in the next couple months really uh, what we ought to do as, as a church and uh, just really be praying about that um, we have the op- we're looking at a an option of just buying land and having to, to build basically from the ground up, uh, but I would prefer if we could find a building that we could kind of be able to move into, um, and that would be able to help meet our needs right away, and so uh, that's, that's the other option. So really be praying about those two things, and uh, would, uh, that God would just give us wisdom in that, because obviously it really is a, a great need that we have, and uh, so take your Bibles this morning, open the book of Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 and uh, I was thinking of uh, going ahead with our series on the I am's but um, I just really felt like with what's going on today with our child dedication uh, service as well as it being Mother's Day and things that uh, I'm just going to kind of take a pause from that this week Uh, we'll can start that next we'll continue that next week so next week we'll be looking at Uh, in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we'll be looking at that. And uh, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to uh, jump online and listen to the message that my dad preached uh, on the good shepherd, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And uh, that was a wonderful message uh, last week that he preached. And so jump on there and listen to that if you haven't, and uh, follow along with that series that we're doing. Matthew chapter 20, and we'll begin reading in verse number 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse number 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, they say unto him, we are able. And he saith unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Lord, we do ask that you would just bless now in the service. Uh, Lord, thank you for the beautiful singing. Thank you for the young people. Uh, Lord, just the song, and many times we think it's just for kids, but Lord, what a powerful message it is. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for Jesus. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would just bless in our services today. Uh, Thank you for mothers, and Lord, all that they do in our lives. And uh, I know many uh, may not be able to have uh, or be able to call their mother today, but Lord, I pray that you would encourage their hearts this morning. And uh, Lord, just strengthen us as we look to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I want you to imagine one morning in a little a little fishing village on the Sea of Galilee that you have a, a family by the name of the Zebedees. Um, you have Mr. Zebedee, Mrs. Zebedee. I don't really know if they had a first name or if Zebedee was his first name. We just know they were called the Sons of Zebedee. And uh, so we have Mrs. Zebedee and her husband and her two sons are going to go to their job, and so they get up that morning and Mrs. Zebedee she fixes a nice uh, breakfast for her for her men in her, in her house there her husband and her sons and she knows they 're going to be going out and working and uh, her her husband and her sons are fishermen, and uh, she knows that it 's going to require a, a good meal to get them through the day because it 's hard work and so being the, the good wife and the mother she is, she prepares them a good meal, and, and she sees them out, and they, they leave, and no doubt they've done this for a while, and she knows their routine, and she'll, she'll know they're going to walk down to the, the Sea of Galilee, and they're going to walk along the Sea of Galilee to where the, the boats are, are anchored, and they'll, they'll bring the boats in, and they'll get the fishing nets out of the boats, and, uh, and they'll make sure that there's no tangles and things like that in the fishing nets, and then they'll, they'll cast off from shore, and, and they'll go out into the Sea of of Galilee and no doubt de- determining what type of de- what time of day it is and figuring out where the fish and things are. I mean, this is their job. They, they know what they're doing. And so they they go out and uh, they, they go to this area and they, they begin to put the nets out. And uh, by the way, I, I will have to say, that's my type of fishing right there. Just put the nets out, right? You don't have... Jay's looking at me like, you know, that's not fishing. That's fishing right there, you know? I mean, this whole idea of throwing one hook out, you know, you're like that's not how it works. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how it works, right? I like the net thing. Just throw it out there and leave it, you know? Let the fish get in and get caught, you know? I mean, you got one hook out there, you know? Let's like, come on. Who's smarter here? A hook or a net? Just saying, right? And so they, they, they throw the nets out here, you know, and, and they, they leave the nets in this area and they go off maybe to another area and they put some more nets out here and, and, uh, you know, they're, they're working throughout the day, bringing in the nets and, uh, getting the fish and putting the nets back out. And so finally, as it's getting towards the, uh, toward time to, to quit, they, they start pulling in their nets and things and. And then as they, they, they get to the shore, they, they start looking at the different fish that they have and figure out which ones are good to sell and which ones they're going to keep and which ones they're just worthless and they're going to throw back, you know. So they're getting all that figured out. And and Mrs. Zebedee, she's still at home and she knows, all right, it's about this time of the day. And and so I I kind of have an idea of what they're going to do and knowing that a certain time they're going to come home. And uh, again, Mrs. Zebedee wants to make sure she's taking care of her, her husband and her, and her sons that are out working and so she wants to have a good meal for them when they come back and so she's she's preparing the food and of course then they didn't have the ovens and microwaves and fridges and stuff like that that we have so it took a little bit longer preparation time and so she's she's been preparing for a few hours you know getting this food ready and things and she's put a lot of work into it and uh and she knows that about this certain time that they're gonna they're gonna come back home and they're gonna walk through that door and she's getting things ready and uh and so as as the food is almost ready all of a sudden she hears the door opened, and she knows her men are home. Her husband's back, her sons are back, and so she's, she's finishing up. She hears the door open, and she turns around, and she sees her husband walk through the door. And immediately, as she sees her husband, she notices something is different. Something's not right. She kind of looks past her husband, looking through the door, where are the boys Where's James? Where's John? Husband says, well, that's, that's what I need to talk with you about. Well, where are they? They stop and talk to somebody or they come in. I mean, I've got the food almost ready. Well, they, they won't be here for supper. What do you mean they won't be here for supper? Where are they? Well, I'm not really sure. How could you not be sure where our sons are? I mean, they went out with you this morning. They, they worked with you, right? Yeah. So how do you not know where our sons are? Well, sweetheart, some, something strange happened. Are they okay? Did something happen to them? No, no doubt. As a mom, obviously, immediately starts worrying. Are, are they, yeah, they're, they're, they're fine. They're fine. No, nothing's wrong. Well, where are they then? Well, this guy was walking along the, the shore... And he just yelled out to them, "Follow me!" And they just dropped their nets, jumped out of the boat, and took off after this guy. Sweet, are you okay? Come, where, where's James and John? Are you guys, are you guys hiding behind the door? Is this a joke? Come on, come on out, guys! Come on, where, where are you guys at? No, I'm being serious. They, they just, they left. They just took off after this guy who is he i'm not really sure he didn't like introduce himself he just said follow me and they they took off where did they go i don't know you mean to tell me that you let our sons just go after some guy you don't know who he is you don't know where they've gone well honey they are grown they're they're grown i mean they're they're of age i mean they they can take care of themselves but where are they Can you you imagine that day as as Mr. Zebedee comes home and has to try to explain to his wife that James and John have left home? They've left, and as far as we know, they they never came back and went back fishing with their father again. That day, they they left. They, They took off, and they were following. Of course, we know who they're following. They're following this guy named Jesus. But imagine Mrs. Zebedee. You know, I can already tell. Some of your moms are like, well, if that was me, I'd have some questions I'd be answered." you know? I mean, I want to know where they're going, and I want to know what time they're coming back, and I want to know who they're going out with. And I want, I mean, you've got a whole list of questions that moms want answered, right? Who is this guy? And imagine what she must have been feeling. The question she must have had, why would they do this without telling her? Who was this man that they chose to follow? Who does this man think he is? Calling her sons to follow him and they just leave everything and follow him? Well, we don't really know what happened between the day that Jesus called James and John up to where we're at here in Matthew chapter 20. We do know that several years have passed. Several years have gone by because Jesus calls James and John at the early part of his ministry. And now, as we're in Matthew chapter 20, in just a, a little bit, this is toward the end of Jesus' ministry. We're in just a, a little bit. Jesus is going to be crucified. So we know that a couple of years have now passed. And we see that this mother has learned some things about this man that her sons chose to follow. She's She's learned a lot about him. And we're going to see some things that that she's learned here. But I want you to notice specifically in verse number 20. It says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons. And I want you to notice the next two words. Worshiping him. Worshiping him. She came worshiping Jesus. She worshiped the Lord. And in this passage, and what we kind of see about Mrs. Zebedee's life, I believe there are some things that we can learn from her in her worship of the Lord. You say, is this just a a message for for mothers? No, no, not at all. It's very sad that uh, unfortunately many Christians would not even follow this lady's example, men and women. But I believe it is something that all of us can learn from, that all of us really should learn from in how she worshiped the Lord. Notice the first thing in her worship of the Lord. Number one, we find that she believed in him. She believed in him. She believed that he was the Messiah. Messiah. She believed that he was the one. Now, again, when we think a couple of years ago, when, when James and John leave, she's not sure who he is. She's not sure what's going on. She's not sure why her sons have followed this guy. I mean, again, Jesus is not his, his name is not as popular in the beginning. People are just trying to figure out who he is now three years later or so, everybody's kind of know who Jesus is. I mean, he's done a lot of miracles. I mean, he's calmed the storms. Uh, No doubt, James and John have told their their mother and father different miracles and things. I mean, he's raised the dead. Uh, He's healed blind people. He's cast out demons. He's he's healed the lame. I mean, by now, everybody kind of knows who Jesus is. But there was a time in, in her life that she had to understand and believe for herself and again we're not told when that was we don't know how long it was before she believed that Jesus was the Messiah we're not told that but we can tell that as she comes there had been a time in her life where she understood for herself that this man this Jesus who had called her sons to follow him truly was the Messiah he was the Messiah and she came worshiping him She came knowing that this was the one. This was the one who had been promised. This was the deliverer. You know, what's unfortunate is there are many Christians who don't believe in Him. You say, wait a minute, you just said that they were Christians. So if they're Christians, they have to believe in Him. Oh, they might believe in Him for salvation. But there are many Christians who don't believe in Him for worship. You see, she came worshiping because she believed in him. She came to him because she believed in who he was. The problem with many Christians is we know, we we say we believe that he's the, the Messiah. We say that we believe that he's the one that died on the cross for our sins. But we don't really believe he's the one to live for. Right? That's why we get sidetracked with so many different things. We get sidetracked with our job. We get sidetracked with our family. We get si- we p- we'll put anything else before Jesus. Before Jesus. Please, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be mean or anything like this this morning, but it's really interesting to me how many Christians will show up for Easter and then the next Sunday they're nowhere to be found. Now why is that? And the next Sunday, they're nowhere to be found. But yet on certain days, they'll put on their Christian Christianity and show up to worship. Can I say that's not worship? Because you don't really believe that he is who he says he is. You want him to be what you want him to be, not who he is. You see, he is the creator of the universe. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the Son of God and he deserves to be worshipped not just on Easter, not just on Christmas, not just on one specific day, but every single day of our lives he deserves to be worshipped. And the only reason, the only way that we can truly worship him is if we truly believe in who he is. So many Christians, it's just, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm saved but you know what, that's, that's all I need from him, then you don't believe who he is. You don't really believe in who he is. She believed, she said, you know what, there's a time and I recognize who he was and I can come and I can worship him at any time even though, look, this yes, I understand you don't have to be in church to worship him. I, I understand that. I'm not saying you have to be in church to worship him. But I'm saying we ought to worship him anytime we have an opportunity to do. And when we have an opportunity to gather together as the body of believers to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to be here. Amen? We ought to. I mean, that, we're, we're here to worship. When we sing, we're not just singing just to fill the room with song. We're singing about our Savior. We can, we can look at the kids singing. Oh, that's just such a, that's so cute to see all the kids sing up there. Oh, what a cute little kid song. Did you think about the words? Jesus loves me. And I won't serve him. Jesus loves me, but I don't have time for him. Jesus loves me, but I won't worship him. You see, so many we just let things go. We, we let it go in one ear and right out the other. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. You see, she believed. She believed in who he was. And it changed not only her son's lives, but it changed her life. Man, at the beginning there, she's wondering who this guy is and why he's he's taken her sons. Now, she has no problem with her sons being with him. In fact, she wants her sons to be with him for pretty much forever. I mean, look at the question that she asked, right? This leads us into our second point. Not only did she believe in him, but she came to him. This is is what I love about this passage of Scripture. She felt that she could come to Jesus anytime and ask Him anything that was on her heart. Isn't that amazing? She felt that no matter what was going on, they, they weren't in the synagogue, they were just probably walking down the road or whatever, and she felt that she could come to Jesus and ask Him anything that was on her heart. Now... Again, some would say, and I've, I've read different commentaries and things like this, and some say, well, this, she was just very arrogant in asking what she asked, right? I mean, look what she asked. She says, I have, I have a question. And Jesus says, what wilt thou? She said unto him, grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. So remember before, she's like, hey, who is this guy taking my sons? Now she's saying, Lord, I want, I want to make sure that my sons are sitting on your right hand, on your left hand in your kingdom. She believed. In who he was. And she came to him and asked a, 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 a very, if I could say, a very difficult thing. And again, some people say, well, this, this woman was just arrogant and asking what she did. I mean, after all, I mean, well, look what happens. Look in verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. I mean, let's be honest. Let's say you were one of the twelve that was there. And Mrs. Zebedee came and said, Lord, would you let my son James and John sit on your right hand and your left hand? What are you thinking if you're Peter? Huh? Hold it. This is really when we can say, hold the fort. (laughs) That's a little church uh, humor there. Um, Wait a minute. What? Hello, I'm the big fisherman. I don't think either of you two have walked on water. I got to walk on water. You know, the other ones are saying, yeah, what about us? We're following him too. I mean, Matthew says, man, I had, I had a good business. I had a good business made. I was making pretty money. I left all of that to follow Jesus. What about me? I mean, you guys were just fishermen. I actually have an education. I mean, come on. I, I, left, all the, I left them all. Come on, what about me? Can, can you see the indignation that is here among the other ten saying, hey, who do you think you are? And some people can get this idea that she was, she was just very arrogant in what she was asking. That's not what I see. I don't see an arrogant woman asking for this. I see a woman with great faith that she could come and ask anything of her Lord, knowing that he would listen. Did you notice that he doesn't rebuke her? He doesn't say, that's the stupidest question I've ever heard in my life. No. And, and here's the thing. He knew what she was going to ask before she even asked it. And he could, she could have said, you know, Lord, I have something to ask of thee. And he could have said, you know what? I know what you're gonna ask, and I don't really have time for that right now. I, I know what you're gonna ask, and I know how these other guys are gonna respond, so let's just not go there right now. He could have said that. He could have just said, you know, nope, don't not not even gonna go there. But instead, what did he say? What wilt thou? What would you like to ask? What's your question? He didn't rebuke her. Knowing what she was gonna ask, he said. Go ahead. What would you like? She had such great faith that she could come. And please understand, I I truly believe, as any mother would, this mother simply wanted the best for her sons. She just wanted the best for her sons. I, I don't think it was anything against the other disciples. I think she just literally loved her sons and wanted the best for her sons. I don't think if we asked any mother out, how many of you want the worst for your kids? Nobody's going to raise their hand. But if you said, how many want the best for your children? Man, your hands are going to be raised. Why? We all want the best for our children. And I think that's what this woman wanted. She simply wanted the best for her children. And she recognized the best was to be with Jesus. The best was to be with Jesus. To be right there with him in his kingdom. And so she asks... By the way, the Bible does tell us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace. That's what she did. She just came boldly. She said, Lord, I believe who you are. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're going to have a kingdom. And so, Lord, I know who you are. I believe who you are. And so I know that I can come and ask of you anything. We have that privilege, don't we? To be able to come boldly. before. The By the way, can I, can I tell you? I'm 43 years of age, I have never, I've never had the president of the United States call me up and say, hey, I'd like to get to know you a little bit more, could you come over? <laughs> never had, anybody had that happen before? I don't think so, yeah. I've never had a king call me up and say, hey, Andrew, you know, hey, I'd like to get to know you a little bit more, could you Could you come over? I've never had a president, never had a king, never had a dignitary call me up and say, Hey, I want you to know me and I want you to know, I want to know you. And so why don't you come over? But can I tell you something the God of the universe does? The God of the universe says, I want to know you and I want you to know me. And here I am. His name is Jesus. And he says, we can come boldly under the throne of grace. We can enter into the presence of God Almighty anytime and anywhere that we choose. Isn't that wonderful? No king's ever done that for you. No president's ever done that for you. And yet, we have that privilege. And how often do we actually use it? We don't ever go to him. We think we can get by without him. We don't need him because we got life figured out. Uh, Friend, I'm here to tell you, you've got it all wrong. We need him. And we need to be going to him every single day. Now, let me tell you this. Just because we have the privilege to ask him anything that we desire doesn't mean that he's automatically going to give it to us. There is something that we learn about prayer here. And I've heard preachers say this all the time. You pray and you pray and you pray until God gives it to you because no is not an answer. Well, they didn't grow up in my home. (laughs) Because when I went to mom and dad... And they're sitting right there. And I said, hey, mom and dad, can I do this? Amazingly, they sure use no a lot. And that was supposed to be the answer. That's not, no, uh, could you imagine? Sorry, that's not an answer. Yeah, that wouldn't have gone over well. But watch. You know not what you ask. Jesus says, this is something that I cannot give you. Did he rebuke her for asking? No. Did he answer her? Yes. And what was the answer? No. I'm sorry I can't give this to you. I don't have a problem with you asking, but it's not something I can give. And you know, many times we, we are free to come to the throne of God. We can come before him in prayer and we can ask him anything. And we ought to come before him and we ought to ask in faith. But we have to understand many, sometimes God may say no. I can't give that to you. And instead of arguing with God and saying, well, God, I need it. And sometimes we, we, get, we get almost childish like little children. You ever see a child throw a temper tantrum? Sometimes that's what we adults do. God says no. and We're like, yeah, God, you've got to give that to me. I'm not going to serve you if you don't. Is that not what we say? You don't give it to me, I won't serve you. That's just like a child throwing a temper tantrum. You don't get what I want? Then I'm just going to belly ache and cry until you do. That's what we would say childish. Sometimes God says no. Now, he did say, look, are you, are you able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of and be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? What's he talking about? He's talking about the suffering he's going to go through. Again, he's, he's about ready to suffer. He's about ready to go through the torture and the beatings. He's about ready to be crucified and die. He's like, are you you sure you want to go through this? Are you sure that you're able to do this? And they say, oh, yes, Lord, we can. I don't think they understood what they were saying. But Jesus did say, you will go through this with me. You you are going to suffer. In fact, if you you study church history and the the Bible, you'll find out that James, James, the, the son of Zebedee, was the first pastor of Jerusalem and was martyred for Christ. He died for Christ. Then later, after James was killed and it pleased the Jews so much, uh, the, the 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 king said, hey, let's take Peter too. We're going to kill Peter. And that's when God did a miraculous thing and released Peter from jail. Remember the story there? But James, the son of Zebedee, was the one that died. He was martyred, beheaded for the cause of Christ. Did he drink of the cup? Yes, he did. Did John? Yes, he did. Now, of all the, the all of the apostles, John was the only one that was not martyred for the cause of Christ but he suffered he suffered imprisonment he suffered beatings he suffered many different things but yet god allowed him to live a much longer life than any of the apostles and and uh, around 90 a.d is when john the apostle wrote the the book of the revelation of jesus christ and and god gave used him to write that great book But he did suffer, and so he says, look, yes, I I, I appreciate that you love me, and Mrs. Zebedee, I appreciate that you want your sons to to be with me in, in, in the kingdom, but look, I can't give this to you, but they are going to be used of God. They are going to be used for the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be great if more parents asked greater things of their children from the Lord? Wouldn't it be great if, if parents would say, Lord, would you make a great missionary of my child? Lord, would you great, make a great soul winner of my child? Lord, would you take my children and use them to serve you with all of their heart for the rest of their life? Lord, would you, would you use my children? Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but here they are. Lord, whatever you want for them, they're yours. Wouldn't it be great if more parents would pray for their children in that way? Just like she was praying, Lord, would you grant that they would be able to sit on your right hand? On your I just want the best for them, Lord. And I know the best is to be with you. So often we think the best is what the world has to offer. We want them to get a six-figure job. Who cares about a six-figure job? What, what, what difference is that going to make in eternity? Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against people having six-figure jobs. Especially if you remember First Baptist Church. You know. <laughs> I'm not against that. Please understand. I, I'm not. I, I'm not against money. I'm not against possessions and things like that. But when we, are, we were more concerned about those things than serving the Lord Jesus Christ, those have become our gods. And we teach our children that those things are our gods. That's why our children begin to see, you know what? Church isn't important. The Bible's not important. Prayer's not important. Why? Because mom and dad don't do it. Got a lot, real quiet in here. When have we prayed and said, God, I want you to take my children and use them for your honor and your glory. By the way, that's what we're going to do in a few minutes. There's some families that are saying that today. They're saying, God, here are my children. I'm dedicating them back to you, Lord. I, and I hope that they pray that God uses them in a special way. This church is going to pray that God will use them in a special way. But oh, what could happen if, if more families, more moms and dads would say, God, I want you to take my son and my daughter I want you to use them for your honor. I want you to use them to be a soul winner and tell people about Jesus. I want you to use them to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. God, wherever you want them to be, here they are, Lord. I just want them with you because that's the best. That's the best. Thank God for praying, moms. I'm sure many of you have heard of John Wesley and Charles Wesley. John Wesley was one of the Great evangelist of the 1700s, Charles Wesley, wrote over 9,000 hymns. In fact, some of them are still sung today. You can find some of those in in the songbook right there in front of you. Songs that he wrote 200 years ago, and we still sing them today. What most people don't understand is that there was a mother who was praying for them. Susanna Wesley raised her children in a home dedicated to the word of God and in prayer. And I understand that we live in a different day and age today, but I would say probably our life is probably a little bit easier than what it was 200 years ago. Susanna Wesley had 10 children. And in the midst of raising 10 children, somehow she could find time to spend two hours a day in prayer. You say, well, she just didn't have my work schedule. And she had 10 kids. And she didn't have stoves and microwaves and refrigerators and all that kind of stuff. She had 10 kids. And still could find time to pray two hours a day. Is it any wonder that God used her children? She prayed for them. George Washington is quoted as saying, all that I am... I owe to my mother. George Washington's father died when he was young. Mary Washington raised him. She said, he said, all that I owe, I owe to my mother. He said, it, it is recorded that she went to a, a nearby rock outside of her house to pray continually. Here's a mother that believed God and had faith to come to God and say, God, I want you to use my children. God took John Wesley and Charles Wesley. God took George Washington and used them for his glory. (laughs) Imagine raising two sons. And both of them chosen by the Messiah. I'd say she probably did something right. Both sons chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ to follow him. Doesn't mean she was perfect. Susanna Wesley wasn't perfect. Mary Washington wasn't perfect. Mrs. Zebedee wasn't perfect. Not one of us are perfect. But there's nothing better that you can desire than your children following the Lord. She simply wanted what was best for her her sons and came to Jesus knowing she could ask it. She believed in him. She came to him. But may I say, thirdly, she identified with him. She identified with him. If you hold your place there in Matthew chapter 20, just turn over a couple pages to Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27, the Bible tells us, of course, this is at the crucifixion. Jesus has been through the torture. He's been crucified and he has died and he's hanging on the cross And the Bible tells us in verse number 55, And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. So think about it. Not only as Jesus is traveling with the disciples, but the Bible tells us there was a group of people that would follow him, ministering to him. There was a group of people following, ministering to him, serving him, Uh, whether it was preparing food or setting up the tents that they would be sleeping in at night and things because they were traveling around all the time. They didn't sleep in towns every night. And so there was a group that would follow along and they would minister to the Lord. They would minister to Him, the Bible says. It wasn't about the disciples. It wasn't about the other people. They were ministering unto Him. And who were some of these? Among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. You see, when she recognized who Jesus was and she believed in Him not only did she want the best for her children and was willing to, to follow him and, and, and to come to him, but she said, I want to identify with him. And I want to serve him in any way that I can. And she would follow along with some of these other women and these other groups that would follow along and help to minister and to serve the Lord. It's interesting when you go back to Matthew chapter 20, when Jesus begins to explain about this, uh, uh, about um, not wanting to seek the greatest in the kingdom, He says in verse number 26, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Jesus says, the greatest thing you can be is a servant. That's the greatest thing you can be. Now watch, he gives us the example of who is the greatest. Even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said, look, the greatest example you have of a servant is me. He was willing to leave heaven, to come to this earth, and to serve, and to bleed, and to die for our sins. He said, don't worry about being the greatest. The the, the way that you can be the greatest is to be the servant of all. To serve. To serve. Wherever it might be. To serve. She was an example of one willing to serve. But not only was she willing to serve in her identity with Christ, but notice back in Matthew chapter twenty. 7 and verse 56. Where was she? She was at the cross. She was at the cross. That was not a safe place to be, by the way. Um, where were the disciples? Disciples took off. When they arrested Jesus, where did the disciples go? Remember, Peter, I will not deny you, Lord. And all the other ones said, neither will we. And then when they arrested Jesus, where'd they go? They took off. In fact, when, G- when Peter was approached, hey, aren't you one of those? No, 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 no. I, I, no, you got, you got somebody else. Are, are you sure? You look like a Galilean. I think you're from Galilee. Weren't you one of the disciples? No, 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 no. I just, I just have one of those faces that everybody recognizes, right? It's, it's not me. Are you sure you want? I was not there. I don't know him. Peter wasn't at the cross. James wasn't at the cross. Matthew wasn't at the cross. Mrs. Zebedee was. The only disciple that we're told that was at the cross was John. John. And yet here is Mrs. Zebedee at the cross in a place where if you were identified as to be associated with the traitor, you could be thrown in jail. You could, be, you could receive the same punishment that the traitor had received. And so it was not a safe place to be, but yet here she was identifying with Jesus. I believe in him. I believe in him. He's the Messiah. I may not understand what's happening right now, but I want you to know I'm willing to identify with Jesus. Are you? Are you willing to identify with Jesus? She wasn't afraid. Now, let me just say, it'd been a whole lot easier to identify with Jesus when he was feeding the 5,000, right? He's taking the, feeding the 5,000 people. That'd be, that's Yeah, me and Jesus, he's, he's my bud, right? He's my good friend, right? Me and Jesus, we're, we're like this. We're always together, right? We're, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the ministers. I get to go around following him everywhere, right? I mean, we, we, we're like this. I wonder when things get tough and when things get difficult, are we still like this? Or do we like to like Peter want to separate our distance? Well, you know, well, you know, I, I I'm not, I'm not one of those fanatics, you know. I, I don't, you know. I, I yeah, I, I, know who Jesus is, but you know, I, I, we just, we won't talk about that. And may I say that's sadly how many Christians respond. Instead of saying, wait a minute, that's my Lord, that's my Savior, I don't have a problem identifying with him because he is the creator of the universe and he saved me. Instead, we, when things get tough, we just want to be quiet. We don't want to identify with him. But here was a woman that believed in him, that was willing to come to him and said, Lord, I know that I can ask you of anything and, and I want what's best for my kids. And not only do I want to, them to follow you, but Lord, I will follow you and I will identify you. Even in your death, I will identify with you. And many, many Christians fail to understand that in all of this, her belief, her coming to him, her identifying with him, it was all part of her worship. She worshiped him. She worshiped him. The sad thing is, we come on Sunday, and that's our worship. We sing, we listen to the message, and we go home. Friend, that's not worship. We can worship him that way. But if we don't truly believe him and who he is, if we don't truly come to him and say, Lord, I need you not just when times are good, but I need you when times are bad, and I know that I can come to you with anything, and you'll hear and answer, and and yes, that answer may be no, but Lord, I'm going to trust you, and, and I want what's best for my children. I want what's best for my family. Lord, I want them to follow you. and Lord, I'm willing to identify with you if we're not willing to follow her example, can we really say that we're worshiping our Lord? She worshiped. Not just with her mouth. Not just saying, yes, I, I believe. With her heart. With her action, She proved she truly did love the Lord. She wanted the best for her son's. When she understood who Jesus was, she didn't have a problem following Jesus. She wanted them to be with Jesus because that was the best place they could be. I wonder with her heads bowed and her eyes closed, no one looking about this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, can I just simply ask you this morning, what does your worship of Jesus look like is it just something that we say with our mouth? Oh, I, I love the Lord. Oh, I, I worship him. Is it just something we say with our mouth? Or do we truly prove it by our heart, and by our actions? She believed in him. Do we really believe in him? Is he really first in our life? Or is it just something we say with our mouth? She came to him. She was not ashamed to come before him and ask. And yet so often we think we don't need him. We can get by without him. No, we do need him. And we have the greatest privilege to be able to come before the throne of grace and seek him. She identified with him. She wasn't ashamed to be at the cross. She wasn't ashamed for people to know that that was her Savior. How does our worship compare to her worship? Maybe there's someone here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. I don't know if I died where I would go. Friend, that is the most important thing you can ever discover. To know that Jesus Christ is the only one who can save you from your sins. If you've never accepted Christ, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can be saved. Maybe this morning there's someone you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I died, if I would go to heaven. I'm not sure. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? I'm not going to call you out, not going to come to you. But say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I died where I would go. Just slip it up and put it right back down. And Christian, can I ask you, are we truly worshiping him? Are we following this example of of this woman in her worship? Or would we have to say our worship is more just something we've said with our mouth and it's not really proven by our actions and by our heart. Do we really believe that He is the Son of God, the creator of the universe? There's nothing better than being with Him. There's nothing greater for our children than serving Him and making sure we identify with Him. Father, I pray that you would work in the invitation. Lord, just speak to people's hearts this morning. Lord, may we truly have a desire to worship you truly from our heart that is sincere in love and our actions that others would know that we truly love you. Lord, would you bless? In Jesus' name we pray. Let's just stand to our feet quietly this morning.